and I just want to welcome you all to Watershed this morning. Hopefully the roads weren't too mean to you on your way here. Um, I'm going to invite you all to stand and greet your neighbor. The question of the day that we came up with is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? What's your, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Mine's the gravy. I'm going to invite you all to join us in worshiping our good God this morning.
One day, God told the prophet Samuel that it was time for a new king and sent him to the house of a man named Jesse. Jesse had seven sons and brought out each of them to meet Samuel. Samuel told Jesse that David, his youngest son, would be the future king of Israel. Shortly after this, an army of the Philistines, Israel's enemy, set up camp on a hill right across the valley from Israel's army. For 40 days in a row, a gigantic Philistine warrior named Goliath would walk down to the valley and mock the Israelites. The Israelites were terrified of Goliath and wouldn't fight him. But one day when David was visiting the army camp, he heard Goliath taunting the Israelites and asked why no one was willing to fight Goliath. After getting King Saul's permission, David went down into the valley and shouted to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Goliath and David charged toward one another. As they ran, David pulled out a stone, put it in a sling, and flung it at the giant. The stone struck Goliath directly in the forehead, and then David killed him with Goliath's own sword. This victory caused David to become so loved and respected that King Saul became very jealous. Filled with fear and rage, Saul tried to kill David, but David escaped into the desert, and Saul and his army followed. One day, Saul was in a cave and David snuck up on him. But David could not bring himself to kill Saul. 
When Saul realized what had happened, he broke down crying and made a peace treaty with David, promising he would not kill him. But not long after, Saul became jealous and tried to kill David again. About the same time, the Philistines attacked the Israelites and killed all three of Saul's sons. When Saul heard the news, he was so upset that he took out his own sword, fell on it, and killed himself. Then, David was named King of Israel. He made plans to build a giant building called a temple as a place to worship God. But God spoke to David through his friend Nathan, telling him not to build the temple. God said a temple would eventually be built, but by one of David's sons. One of David's descendants would become a king unlike any before, one whose rule would never end. I'm going to invite my friends to come forward to get dismissed for Sunday school. And my friend Adrian this morning has agreed to pray us out. So let's bow our heads and fold our hands. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Um, and help us all to learn more about God in Sunday school and the sermon. Amen. Well, good morning to you all today. Good to see you. Um, yeah, it's been uh, quite a week. Amen. We got uh, a lot of snow out there. Thankfully, not as much as what was predicted and uh, made for interesting things. I don't know about you, but I have had an interesting week. We won't go into that. Um, but it leads me into uh, what I've been talking about before we get into the message that this season, I just want to encourage us in a spirit of generosity. Right, as we prepare for Thanksgiving this week, which, by the way, we will worship together uh, in the Red Brick single service, 10 o'clock Thanksgiving morning. If you want to join us, uh, come celebrate Thanksgiving. Otherwise, enjoy your family. Have a great time. Uh, hopefully, family, friends together uh, that you have a lot to be grateful for. Um, but uh, when I think about Thanksgiving, I'm just reminded that while it's not necessarily a Christian holiday, it's not, it's an American holiday, it does remind me of the daily provisions that were given by God. Um, this week, I know those daily provisions uh, have been a really important thing and how people have come um, and just gifted uh, us in some of the challenges. Just, I lost my truck today or this week, got hit you know, by another vehicle, so people kind of coming and helping out, and it's like that was one thing of other things. You ever have those weeks, right? But people's generosity, um, you know, has just been a gift. Uh, I think about it, we've got a video this morning, just a 20-second clip from the Nazarene Church in Ireland.
Your generosity sent 11 of us over to Ireland, uh, also paid for uh, furniture to go in those rooms, to paint those rooms, to prepare those things. And and our partner church over there with Luke and the Nazarene church uh, was able to have more space for kids' ministry and just to do ministry in general, right? Brings joy when people are generous. Uh, One opportunity we have uh, coming up here is if if God's moving you in the next week, uh, D, this is something that kind of came up closer to last minute, um, at least for, on our end to be able to communicate, but there's going to be a group going down to the DR, uh, February 19 to 27. We have a long-standing history uh, with the Dominican Republic. Um, again, the trip will be February 19 through 27. Uh, if you want information, contact D, D-E-E at heartawake.com. Um, she needs to know, though, if you're interested in going by next week, Friday. So, like I said, sorry, um, just getting the information and getting, being able to get that out. But you're going to be working on a classroom, uh, helping kids down there. Throughout the years, that's, that's one thing we've been able to do in the DR. Another thing has been helping with uh, kitchens, and that's kind of been in partnership with Mika's Lunch. Hold on to that for one second. We'll come back to Mika's Lunch. Uh, wells, housing. Um, so if that's something God's moving in your heart, that's a way to be generous, to give of our time. Mika's Lunch is another partnership we have. I mean, I know you've heard of that. We've had the opportunity to give more, but I, I just want to give you an idea. If, if you can't go to the DR, you can go to mikaslunch.org. You can give to Mika's Lunch. For 70 cents, you can buy a meal for a kid. For an entire year, school year and summer, 166 bucks for the whole year to be able to provide at least a lunch for a kid. Not just for a kid, uh, for younger kids, for elderly, for, for, for moms that are, that are struggling. I mean, it goes out to teachers, staff. Over 200,000 meals have been prov- are provided in a year for folks through Mika's Lunch. Another partnership, right? A way that generosity, simple ways sometimes, things we can do. I saw some of you bringing in your bags, grocery bags uh, for Neighbors Plus, the Thanksgiving bag, right? Again, another something. You can fill it up with some, some toilet paper, some canned goods. Another way that generosity, but it would bless brother's house, sister's house, pantry. Those who have a need know they can come here, find it, right? Toys. Some of you were bringing in toys for the Hope Christmas store right? Allow families that can't necessarily get gifts. So I just, again, there's all kinds of opportunities through even just Hardawike and our, our touching, but man, brings generosity. And even in the simple ways when somebody knows a need this week, right? Somebody just brought us a, made sure we had dinner on the night that we, those things just bring joy, don't they? Uh, when we get to participate in God's goodness shown to us and extended to others. There's the message before we get into David and Goliath. So how about we dive into David and Goliath and uh, let me pray before we do that. God, thank you again for your generosity. As we talked this morning, um, God, may our hearts just be reminded of your goodness to us in Jesus. Saying about your holiness today, we we, we say that, God, you would, you would move, you would work again in our lives. All of those things that rely on us to look and see how you have. Lord, we're going to have communion this morning. 
So uh, in these things, help us be reminded, and in the scripture today, help us be reminded of your great acts, of how you work in our behalves, of your great generosity and love for us. God, fill us with your word today. God, may my words be yours. Lord, may you get rid of anything that's not of you. And may, through the reading of the scripture and and sharing in this Lord's table, God, again, we be filled. That we might be encouraged today. That we might be reminded of your goodness to us. How much you love us and are never going to let us go. Lord, for these things and, and, and many more prayers, we commit this time, we commit these moments to you and ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. For we, your children, are here listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Today in the church year, we have a church calendar. It's Christ the King Sunday. It's the Sunday before Advent, the season before Christmas. It's a, it's a season we're reminded that we serve a king, a good king, Christ, who has come on our behalf, the promised one, the Messiah. And then Advent is a season where we look back to Jesus' coming so we can look forward in hope that Christ will return. So as you can see, a king is coming. This is going to be our theme, not only today, but through all of Advent. And as we journey through the story and through the Bible, we're picking up now in a time where David, the line of David, who Jesus comes in, the promised Messiah, would come in David's line. We're picking up in that story. As we saw, and uh, we, we, we heard last week in the video, we didn't really get to dive in too much because uh, Becky did a great job leading us through Samuel in his call, here am I, Lord, right? That we make ourselves available. But there was another king, Saul. And Saul, uh, as we'll hear today, was not what God wanted, but was everything the people wanted. And in turn then, God hands the kingdom over to the king who would be a man after his own heart. A great story for us to see this in is David and Goliath. And I don't know about you, David and Goliath is a story that's told not only in the church, but it's all around us, right? We hear the story of the little guy beating out the big guy, right? Someone overcoming insurmountable odds and so on and so forth. Amen? Right? David and Goliath. But what I want to put before us today as we dive into this scripture, it's as much a story and maybe even more so about God establishing David as the true king of Israel and how Saul was rejected. Now, he was rejected because he wasn't the king that God had intended or wanted and yet was the king that the people asked for. So we're going to dive in. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, but we'll pause along the way and hopefully uh, help you understand what's going on. But we're in 1 Samuel this morning, so if you're kind of looking at your Bibles, we're getting a little thicker at the front end uh, if you've been following along in our journey through the story through God's scripture. But we're in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 1. Let's hear God's word together. Now the Philistines, these were people uh, who were right on the Sea of Galilee to the west of Israel. They, they end up being some of uh, really the enemies of God's people throughout a lot of the Old Testament. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesdemim between Soka and Azekah. 
Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Got a picture up here just kind of give you an idea of what's going on. This is actually the valley of Allah. You can see it kind of wrap in and around. The Philistines to our right kind of run the ridge all the way around. They're coming over. Now this is an important move because they're only, if they were to take over this valley, they're only like two steps away from checkmate. They'd go in to take out Bethlehem, then take out Jerusalem, and then finally take out the capital at the time, Gibeah. So they're only a couple moves away. And so Saul and his armies kind of positioned on the one ridge to the left. The Philistines are wrapping around. That's the setting of our story. David and Goliath, the actual valley. So we pick up again in verse 4. So a champion of the Philistines, Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. So a cubic, about 18 inches. So according to the scriptures, nine foot nine possibly. Nine foot nine. Or some other texts say six nine. Either way, the dude was huge compared to everyone else, okay? <laughs> he came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, weighing 120 pounds. Later in this story, David will come up, and I mean, like, it's practically the weight of David in his armor. (laughs) He had not only that bronze helmet and this shekeled armor, but on his legs he wore um, bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron weighed, weighed 600 shekels, and his shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted in the, to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Right? Why do you come up against me? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? I want you to hang on to that phrase for a moment. Are you not the servants of Saul? Is that who the people of Israel were supposed to be? Choose a man, have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Just common battle tactic of the day. Mano a mano. Hey, we don't want to lose a bunch of people on our side. You don't want to lose a bunch of people on ours. So we're going to take the two champions out. We'll stick them in a valley. If depends on who wins and whoever wins to the winner gets the spoils. Right? Goliath is like, nobody's coming to save you. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, He was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest, though, followed Saul. But David, he went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. He was playing the harp for Saul in his court, the lyre. Uh, And he would call, 
call him a spirit that would come upon Saul. So some of the backstory. But so, so David would tend the sheep of his father and then go back and forth between Saul's court. But, but the three oldest brothers, they're going to war. Verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening. And he took his stand. So we pause here. I want to ask the question. Because this is the question I think the Israelite army was asking of themselves. Who will fight for us? Right? When we come up against an insurmountable, odds insurmountable, what seems like army or even person, who's going to fight for us? Now Israel, early on in Samuel, they had said to God, give us a king. Now that wasn't actually um, much of a big deal to God to ask for a king. Back in Deuteronomy, actually the scripture says there's going to come a time when you have a king. Okay, fine, whatever. Maybe follow me. The problem with Israel asking for a king, and this, this happened kind of last week if you're following along in the, the storybook or following along in 1 Samuel, their problem wasn't the fact that they asked for a king. It was that they said to God, we want someone who will go fight for us, who will lead us into battle. But what had God done throughout the Old Testament up to this point in Israel's life for the people? He was the one who would go out in front for them. He was the one who would fight their battles. He was their king who would take care of them, whether it was providing in the wilderness or was providing against an army. And Israel said, we don't want you. We want somebody else to do what you've been doing. Give us a king. So the funny thing about the scripture is this. God goes, okay, fine. There's this guy named Saul. Now, Saul's very name means asked for. Did you catch that? Shaul in Hebrew, Saul, means asked for. What's in a name? I'll tell you this much, God's got a sense of humor. So the king you asked for, I'm going to give you. And when Samuel first comes along uh, Saul, Saul is looking for his father's donkeys. Now, let me tell you this. If you read the passages of this in the King James Version, ooh, it's fun. And you might pick up on some of the nuances of this. But Saul is not the greatest caretaker of his father's donkeys. This isn't like taking care of sheep where you're hurting them. I mean, donkeys, while they're stubborn, they're not like grazers. They're not going to go away. But for whatever reason, Saul can't find his dad's donkeys. Do you think God has a sense of humor in saying something in the text? See, the king of Israel was most notably known as a shepherd of the people. What we'll hear today, what's David? A shepherd. But Saul, a donkey herder, who can't really do a good job with his own dad's donkeys, who, by the way, is a head taller. We heard this in our video last week, a foot taller. He's a head, he's heads and shoulders above everyone else. Interesting. How tall is Goliath? What did the people of Israel ask for? They asked for a king who would fight their battles for them. Forty in the scriptures often means a time of testing, whether it's 40 years or 40 days. And how many days were they sitting on this ridge listening to Goliath come out, challenge them at morning and evening, which would have been the times of prayer of the people? 
They're sitting there dismayed and scared. The king that the people asked for, the donkey herder, I don't know if that says a whole lot about Israel or what, who's not so good at it, whose head's and shoulder above everyone else, who should be the one to fight for the people, is sitting with the army, scared and dismayed. But here comes a shepherd who had already been anointed king. We'll pick up on that story a little bit more, but I want to take us back to the scriptures in verse 20. Hopefully you're getting an idea of what's getting played out and why I think this story is maybe more about David and Saul than simply David and Goliath. Early in the morning, verse 20, David left the flock in care of a shepherd. So this shepherd boy wasn't even going to leave his father's sheep on their own because his father asked him to bring supplies to the brothers and check on them. So he loaded up and he set out as Jesse had directed. That's his father. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. And David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. Right, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. But the king, who should maybe go fight, right? The one whose head's and toe above everybody else. Let's go, mano a mano, our champion, your champion. What's he going to do? He's going to give great wealth to the man who kills him. Right? He'll also give him his daughter in marriage. Oh, and then their family will be exempt from taxes in Israel. Hallelujah, praise Jesus, right? (laughs) Now, David asked men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Listen to what he says. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of Saul? No, the armies of the living God. See, one of the things when we read Scripture is I want to encourage you to slow down. Goliath identifies Israel as the armies of Saul. The armies themselves saw them as the armies of Saul. What does David see? This is the armies of the living God. They repeated to him what had been saying and what they had told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now when Eliab, so the oldest son, right, his brother, David's oldest brother heard him speaking to the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those sheep in the wilderness, right? I'll get an all big brother-y, judgy. And by the way, he was there when David was anointed king and got passed over. Listen to his challenge. Why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those sheep? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And David said, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? I want to leave that text up here, but, but if I go back here to 1 Samuel 16, when, when David was anointed, when, when Eliab was getting passed over along with his brothers, the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height. 
for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. That was Saul. But the Lord looks at the heart. And what's Eliab's challenge? I know your heart. Really? Because sounds like Eliab, your heart's more for Saul than it is for what David's saying. David says, can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else. He's, he's pretty, he's got his own little stubborn streak. That's good. <laughs> Turns away to somebody else, brought up the same matter. The men answered him as, for, as before. And what David said was overheard, and then this got reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Now David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. Here's this young shepherd boy. Let nobody lose heart on account of this Philistine. I'll go fight. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him, right? You're only a young man. You're a kid. He's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servants killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied, here it is again, the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Right? What's his perspective? God's been with me whether I've been out tending sheep or whether I'm standing here. And you're afraid. This Lord who has rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. I wonder what the tone was. <laughs> was it like, whoa, all right, dude, that's on you? <laughs> was it, did he mean it? I, I don't know. We just know, he says, go, the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor about him and, and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he wasn't used to him. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to him. So he took him off. He took his staff, right? He's used to that. He chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. wonder what our armor is. Right? Saul, his armies were terrified. Eliab, his brothers, right? Their army was, if we just follow Saul into war, maybe a little of their armor was jealousy sometimes, right? We, we get a little jealous of what somebody else has gotten and what we got passed over by. Maybe it's a little conceitedness, right? Have you, you ever got those young little punk brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah? <laughs> Rachel, I'm not talking to you. I love you. <laughs> I don't know what's their armor. They were afraid. Saul, the king who was heads and shoulders above all the rest, the king who was asked for the donkey herder, the man who would fight for Israel's army, in the name of the Lord, did he believe? 
No, the kingdom had been stripped away from him already. Why? Because he continues to trust himself more than he trusts the Lord. The rest of 1 Samuel, if you want to just listen to Saul's, Saul's life, it seems like he gets a bum rap for God taking away the kingdom from him. But he proves time and time again in his character and who he is that he's not for the Lord, he's for himself. He's nothing more than a really bad donkey herder. Then he is a shepherd who tends his father's sheep. But for David, I trust in the Lord who's been with me out tending sheep. I trust in the Lord who's given me an ability to sing and calm the evil spirits of the king. I trust in the Lord who even in unknown, un, un, unknown circumstances is for me. Saul tries to fit him with his army. David's like, nah. I trust in what God has already gifted me with, the abilities that I already have. See, David didn't need to be somebody else. In the Lord, he could be who he already was to step into the fight. It's a good question for us today. Who do we trust in? What's our armor? We trust in simply our abilities? Do we trust in what we don't have? Do we trust in everything we're not? Do we trust in what somebody else is giving us? What do we trust in? Or do we trust that the Lord goes with us, goes ahead of us, is behind us? Do we trust that our story is part of a bigger story? God's, not simply our own. In a time of testing, Saul fails. In a time of testing, a young shepherd boy steps in. Scripture continues in verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, <laughs> and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David how? By his gods. See, Goliath also had a belief and a trust too. Had a story he was anchoring himself in. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Like, read the scripture and have a little fun with it too, right? <laughs> David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you how? In the name of the Lord Almighty. Right, The God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. You haven't defied Saul. You've defied God. So this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Man, what kind of gumption. But see, that's the real power of God at work in us. Even though we may be afraid, even though sometimes some days aren't working out well for us, do we trust that God is still good? That God is still God? David does. And all those gathered here, he says, will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. 
So as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and fell face down at the ground. Now the reality of this is, think about about a hundred and, you know, five mile an hour fast ball. Not many pitchers can throw that, but you don't get a helmet like that, right? And about that size, we're not talking small little pebble, we're talking a significant rock, and David's a slinger. Now there's all kinds of stuff that we could get into I can't touch on this morning, but he's a slinger, and when you're good at it, man, you're going to knock some people out. And he grabbed what he had. He grabbed what he knew, and he let it fly. And so, a stone sank into his forehead. It fell face down to the ground. Not backwards, face down. Earlier in Samuel, when the temple... Uh, when, when the temple of Dagon, they had taken the ark from Israel and put it into the temple of Dagon, the God. For some reason, the people would keep coming in, not the Israelites, another country. They'd come in and they'd see the, their, their God, this idol of stone, fall falling face down in front of, and, and then they put this, temp, this idol of stone back up and keep falling face down in front of the ark of God. Huh, interesting. Where does Goliath fall? Face down before the Lord. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And David ran, stood over him, took the hold of the Philistine's sword drew it from its sheath, and after he had killed him and cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw this, that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Story continues. But nonetheless, there's a victory. Yeah, did the little man overcome the big man? Absolutely. There are opportunities for each of us to sling the stone that we have that God has gifted us with, right? What armor do we put on? But ultimately, the armor that we put on isn't a shield, it isn't a sword, it isn't even a sling or a rock. It's a story that's part of a bigger story. Of a greater shepherd who would come and defeat a greater Goliath. Right? Because the best of David This man who was for God. We're going to find out that he wasn't perfect next week. As much as he had a heart for God, he had his own issues too. The best of David, he was for the Lord, is only the beginning of Jesus. The shepherd of our lives. Who would overcome sin, darkness, death. The greatest giant that we might face. So that we could have life. Because I don't know about you, more often than not, if I just keep this story as a good moral tale, I am definitely not David. Amen? I'm Saul. I'm Eliab. <laughs> I don't have the courage. I, I, I struggle to face my fears. I struggle on a day when it's not going well this week to pull my stuff together. <laughs> To trust. Because I talk to my kids on a really bad day. It's the one thing I know I can rest in. Is a shepherd king. 
love me enough to rescue me. I'm a part of a much bigger story. You're a part of a much bigger story. A beautiful story of a young shepherd boy, anointed king, whose line the great king would come in. Where sometimes the things we ask for aren't really what we need, but God in his goodness gives us exactly what we need out of the goodness of his life and heart to us. John 10, Jesus says this, I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As we come into communion this morning, that's what we're reminded of. We have the true and perfect shepherd who has come to defeat the Goliath of sin, of death, brokenness and failure, regret, mistakes, so that we might be returned to a living God, that we might know we're never alone, that the God Almighty, the Lord of the armies, is a God who would wage battle so that you and I could live. I don't know about you, but that's a good story. We trust that. We lean on that. So when I invite you to come to this table this morning, no matter where you're at, the question is just, do you believe, will you allow yourself to be part of his story? I don't know if there's sin that you need to confess before the Lord. If so, God's ready to hear. And God is ready to forgive. Maybe it's encouragement at this table. Maybe you need filling today. Let this bread and juice, the body and blood of Christ, fill your soul. And you know what? For everything I don't know, but God in his goodness does know about what you need in this life right now. Let this filling, this union with Jesus, remind you and anchor you in a God who loves you, a shepherd who guides and is always with you. Today as we participate, I'm going to ask you our kind of our thing here at Watersheds. We come down the aisles in between the tables and chairs and then kind of circle through. We'll have servers. Um, We take a piece of the bread and then dip it into the cup. If you're um, just not comfortable with that, that's okay. We've got some cups uh, with with a piece of bread on top. You pull off the first layer and then uh, take the second. But again, we're going to be reminded that this, this bread is the body of Christ given for us. Right, Jesus, on the night that he was portrayed, he took the bread that they had shared together. He said, this, this is my body given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took a cup that they had shared together He said, this cup is a new covenant, a new promise in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance isn't just a mere exercise. By the power of God's Spirit, it remembers us, it reconnects us to a good news that God is for you and not against you. Be reminded of that as you choose to participate. And if you choose not to today, be reminded 
that God is for you and not against you. We know it in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Like as I'm praying, if those who are serving will come forward on the worship team will also come forward as well. Let's pray. God, as we hear of your word this morning just about David and Saul, one was a king the people wanted and was everything that, Lord, really you didn't want for them. One was another who would be after your own heart. And on a greater scheme, Lord, a greater, grander story, it would point us to the one who never moved from your heart, only did his Father's will. Like David wanted you to be glorified, that all the nations would know. Father, may you be honored and glorified. As we participate, God, in communion this morning, Father, this is something that uh, is physical, it's tangible. We hear a message, we process it in our brains, but this we touch, we taste, we feel. Lord, use all of our senses, our minds, physicality, to remind us again of who you are and who we are to you. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. For it's his name that we pray these things. All God's people said.
Why do we do this on Sundays? Why do we gather for worship? Take time out of our lives so that we can be reminded that God is good. It's not the only place we can worship. See, I think David was a man after God's own heart because he was a worshiper of God. He cared about the holiness of God, of glorifying God, of keeping God in perspective in his life. Did it whether he was out tending flocks. Did it whether he was out on the battlefield. He did it in the courts of the tabernacle, even in his palace courts and on the streets. Folks, when we worship, we lift up the name of the Lord. It's not just for God's ego. No. It's so that we can be reminded of how great God is in his goodness. As much recognizing it and proclaiming it to him, but recognizing it in us. So thanks for worshiping with me today. It's an encouragement to me, and I pray it encourages you as we journey together. I want to remind you again, we're having a meal. Feel free to share. Uh, If not, be blessed in the things you're going to do today. Members of Heart Awake, if you're a member, uh, there was a 2023 budget kind of email that went out to vote on that budget. So um, please check your inboxes or spam. <laughs> uh, we, part of being a member is part of adding our voice into uh, those things. But uh, yeah, as you go from here, as always, receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Lord, our Father, our Savior, and the Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a couple chairs, we appreciate that as well.
precious hand has carried me. He 